Well, if you've listened for any length of time at all, even a week or two, you know that we save uh, every every weekend that he's available. We save the 8 o'clock or sometimes the 7 o'clock hour on Saturdays to visit with the Dirt Doctor, Mr. Howard Garrett. We'll have a few minutes left toward the end of the show for more phone calls. And, of course, uh, we do this for three hours again tomorrow morning from 8 till 11. So if you don't get in today, there's always tomorrow. But right now, one of my very favorite times is when I get to visit with the Dirt doctor good morning howard good morning lovely weather around here i hope y'all are better than we are <laughs> well if you like freezing rain and sleet and uh temperatures hovering right around the freezing mark i guess if you're a duck hunter you think this is beautiful weather but uh gardeners it's a good day to visit a nursery or peruse a seed catalog or do almost anything except being outside digging in the dirt down here yeah, it's going to be that way for another couple of days here. Not much gardening or golf, uh, so I'll, I'll spend the time getting ready for our big uh, first uh, Mother Earth News Fair next weekend. And that's a good thing to be doing. Yeah, we we have the rodeo going on down here, and that's undoubtedly. We always get lousy weather during rodeo, rodeo season, but... Uh, you know, I guess we need a little break from it, and um, I was going to tell you that the pictures of the of some of your art that you sent me this morning are absolutely inspirational, to say the least, to those of us who have no artistic talent whatsoever. <laughs> well, I'm still uh, kind of, well, not kind of, but very much so experimenting with different techniques and different styles to a degree and everything, and I think I may have stumbled on something I may do. Uh, kind of a the one that I did of the ginkgo leaf, mm-hmm. the stylized ginkgo leaf. I may do more of that kind of thing. It makes sense for me, my natural, my organic art to be uh, plant related. I guess so. Well, I was going to ask you. You know, I'm I'm a a fan of some of Jimmy Buffett's music, and he always says that his mentor, his inspiration was Gordon Lightfoot. Are you inspired by any particular artist or anything you've known, or is is yours totally 100% original in, uh, you know, I I guess what I'm asking, is there anyone's work that you like that you try to pattern yourself after a bit, or is it all just totally Howard? No, you're definitely influenced by the different people, and I guess the first, uh, some of the first things I did were definitely uh, toward the style of Jackson Pollock and uh-huh. wild, uh, uh, abstract stuff. And now starting doing, Jude's been pushing me that way, do a little bit more uh, realistic stuff all the time. But I'm just, uh, I'm having really a lot of fun experimenting with a lot of different techniques. I've got some oil paint that I haven't even tried yet. Everything really? so far has been acrylic and uh-huh. colored pencil and things like that. That's what the ginkgo leaf was probably more than anything was colored pencil and then some ink pencils as well. And the sculptures, I'm looking forward to getting back, but I'm waiting for the weather to get better because I, I make such a mess of my wood sculptures. <laughs> I need to be doing it out on the porch rather than <laughs> inside where I'm breathing all that stuff uh, all day long. And where somebody else gets to help with the cleanup. Uh, have you have you found, and I think I've sent you a picture to uh, this new Petunia series that I think they call it the Starry Night. That's the yeah, big, right. to me, we call them the Jackson Pollock Petunias, if not We'll have to get you some pictures because uh, that that would be very interesting. But when I look at those plants, that's what I'm reminded of is uh, is a Jackson Pollock work, and uh, I love I love that petunia series. You're just so unusual. 
Yeah, I think you showed me those and gave me some photographs of those last year. Those are those are really nice. Well, the thing about the Mother Earth News Fair, and again, it's it's this coming weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Logan's coming to town to help because we're going to not just be there for my two talks. Sure. Uh, the two that I normally give that I've uh, kind of updated. Uh, one on pest control and the other on trees. But mm-hmm. um, we're going to be displaying uh, some. We haven't quite figured it out what we're taking and how we're taking it and how <laughs> we're going to display it. But we're going to have a fair sample of uh, of my art there. Logan uh, will have some photographs of her stuff. She oh. won't have any of hers, but she'll, she's will she been doing a little bit uh, as well. So that's going to be fun. So you get, you get a little feedback from people about what they think, think if we're too wild and crazy or too tame or somewhere in the middle here. And plus, I like the fact that the money goes to Torque, and that's a great yeah. thing to support. My hope is that you will sell so much on Saturday that somebody has to run back to town and, and bring more <laughs> if possible. But it it's uh, it's certainly unique. And uh, uh, Mother Earth News, uh, golly, what a great venue for you because there are people that that kind of aspire to the same things we do as far as protecting the planet. Mm-hmm. They do a good job. Their uh, events are, are impressive. For those listening who haven't been yet, if you're anywhere near Belton, I'd uh, recommend dropping by because uh, it's overwhelming how much there is. There. I think the only negative about their shows is that there's so much to see and hear. Uh, it's a little bit hard to decide who to uh, go, where to go first and, and how to work in uh, as much as you'd like to. And it's it's sort of a combination of a trade show with booths from different people with products and techniques and things. And uh, just, I, I know you've said they actually divide it into groups where you sometimes have two or three different lectures going on at the same time in different places. It's it's a lot wilder than that. There's some, some number between 100 and 150 presentations of one kind or wow. another going on those two days it's unbelievable how many they do and uh you know they've got the keynote speakers and i'm allegedly in that, that <laughs> group and, uh, in the big rooms and tents uh, some of the talks are outside in big tents which work pretty well actually and some are inside uh, the building i think i do one of each mm-hmm. and then others are hands-on things they've got uh, these hands-on presentations now where you actually they teach you how to make something now we did one and it was making a garret juice right we're not doing one of those this time the art's kind of taking up the time there but it's just uh it's an amazing uh, amount of displays and presentations and speeches and lectures and you know people talking and uh, giving advice and you can see stuff from building a, a house or own lumber and really large woodworking, uh, I mean serious uh, woodworking uh, gear down to, uh, you know, knitting and needlework and fine uh, art, you know. So. It's kind of Foxfire brought to life. It's uh, Belton's not a big place, but where is it being held at the convention center? Whereabouts in Belton is it being held next weekend? It, it's out on the highway. It's the uh, uh, agriculture center. I forget okay. the exact name of it. It's the uh, they they normally do that around the country. They they take over places that where there's you know rodeo arenas and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, agricultural type uh, setups and a lot of a lot of space. People can go to my website dirtdoctor.com, click on appearances, and click on uh, that, and it'll take you there and tell you all the details about it. Or just do a search for. Uh, 
Mother Earth News Fair Belton. Well, that's fantastic. It sounds like it's going to be just a, a tremendous event, and sounds like uh, what some people could do is promise uh, one of their special people, hey, I'm going to get you something. I'm going to get you one of Howard's works for Valentine's Day, and that would work out real well. <laughs> yeah, we can do uh, you know custom things and uh, commission-type stuff, not just the things I've already finished because mm-hmm. who knows what I'm going to do uh do next one thing that i'm doing too is kind of fun that we can talk to people about i'm calling it uh, organic art and i got to thinking i was i'm really doing more organic art than i was even uh, realizing myself because i go around and i find these places uh, some of the thrift stores and mm-hmm. places like yeah. that where people bring donations and it ends up a lot of times being uh, <laughs> uh frames and paintings and and even canvases that haven't been painted and stuff. And so I'm getting new stuff and recycling them and to do a little work on some of them to make them uh, good enough looking. But we're recycling a, a huge amount of frames and things like that. And old paintings, I'm painting over the top of some old stuff. So it uh, that's an interesting part of what we're doing also. You haven't gotten into any stained glass or leaded glass or anything like that yet? Well, it's interesting you ask. My first thought when I came up with this idea was to do art on glass. And uh-huh. I have a friend that's in the glass business here in town, and she gave me a bunch of scrap glass and uh, some of the first, the first of the forest breeze that I did was on, well, two, one on glass and one on mylar. Oh, interesting. Talked to some uh, reproduction people to get prints made because I thought I'd yeah have prints and have some real inexpensive stuff. Well, that was a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> glass and mylar reflect the camera. You can't uh. make prints. Uh, so I played around with that idea, and I ended up finding some almost uh, reflective uh, gray paper that I did uh, some of the uh, Forest Breeze series on. And we'll have those there, and they're all originals. I'm not gonna have any prints at sure. all. Everything's gonna be originals, yeah. and I'll do those very quickly, and they're they're reasonably priced. The Moonlight series is another one that I'll have uh, uh, several uh, for people to see. They're pretty simple. Well, we'll look forward to seeing. Did had we gotten the water prisms in when you and Judy were down most recently? The uh, leaded glass uh, uh, hanging little pieces of art we found when we were up at the uh, trade show up in portland last year these things are I remember seeing that. ah that's something we're gonna have to have to well i think we might have to send one to judy for valentine's day if we can um, um, uh, manage it but uh they're actually little leaded glass pieces and uh but they're hanging some of them it's just it's simply the leaded glass many of them have a little opening in the top that you can fill with uh distilled water and they're beautiful as they are, but man, when the sun hits them, it's just it's it's like the old disco ball. You just wouldn't believe the oh, the oh, it's they're they're really neat. We we had them at Christmas and sold out of them, you know, almost overnight. We got some more in recently that hopefully will go for Valentine's. But I'll sure I'll try to take some pictures. I sure look forward to you guys seeing them because they are. Uh, they are one of the most fun things, that along with those solar lanterns that uh, I need to send you a picture of those. I hung a couple of those outside my new greenhouse, and just every night I go out, and there's this just glowing lamplight with little solar collectors and those things. So, uh, yeah, I look uh, forward to 
seeing that. Yeah, there, there are a lot of fun. Well, a couple of uh, things related uh, more to the plants. I'm getting a lot of questions. Everybody's roses are, well, a lot of roses are just in starting to be in full bloom down here, and people are so concerned about what to do about pruning. And I'm telling people the own root roses, I see no reason to prune. I don't feel like you have to prune a rose to keep it healthy, maybe on some of the grafted things, but how do, how do you feel about uh, oh, I roses? I totally agree. I yeah. think that pruning thing is kind of like, you know, I got to spray some kind of toxic chemical <laughs> weekly uh, on the roses. You know that that whole program I don't agree with sure. at all. I think I think roses uh, roses on their own roots are usually really pretty uh, shrubs and real pretty in their natural soft uh, form. So pruning is just totally uh, up to you if you want to change the the size. I'm not sure you even have to prune the uh, the hybrids as uh-huh. much as is recommended to. There was some research a long time ago, and I don't remember if we uh, grabbed it and got it into the torque uh, site or not. I need to look into that. Uh, and I don't remember exactly where it came from, but there was some research done at one point on rose pruning that was uh-huh. pretty funny. They had done it with a chainsaw oh, or something, my. you know, just literally uh, <laughs> shearing the roses. Yeah. And the production of flowers ended up being the best on the ones that they did that to. Really? Yeah, it was. Um, it was one of those things. It was a long time ago before we got into torque and saving uh-huh. the, the research as well as we do now. And yeah, it was uh, some. I think everybody in the rose business kind of poo pooed because you know it didn't didn't look good and didn't look right to them. But as far as leading to disease or mm-hmm. cutting down on the production of flowers and, and all that, it was totally the opposite of what they were expecting. To well, that's interesting well some of them you know people may have to don't realize what kind of bushes they will turn into i think about mutabilis and things like that that if you don't do a little pruning you're going to have a a 10 by 15 foot rose bush which there's nothing wrong with but a lot of yeah, people just over the side of your building uh, yeah too, you yeah. stick with the organic program on roses they sometimes turn into monsters well that's what i've been telling folks is just don't do it you don't have to prune you know except for limiting size and uh, uh that's that's good the other thing that i've uh that wanted to get your input on there's real interesting article i think in acres recently about working to restore the carbon in the soil we talk about lots of other things but they actually were talking about different ways of you know putting the carbon i mean the earth the soil until we got to modern agriculture that was always so to speak the carbon sink that's the reservoir that's what the area the excess carbon in the atmosphere went to and that's what we do with dry molasses and maybe sometimes dry humates and compost if somebody's really interested in building carbon what do you what do you think is the best way to go about doing that well you and i talk about every week um Everything that we talk about leads to the most significant way to build the carbon in the mm-hmm. soil, and that's to get the microbe population raised. Their waste and dead bodies is the most significant source of carbon there is. And, and the and, biggest contributor weight-wise, I know. Yeah, it, it, you know, you can buy products and speed up the process, and that's what I, I teach people, too, use Using humates, the garret juice used on a regular basis is going to do it. The uh, dry molasses, the organic fertilizers, the m- proper kind of mulches, breaking down. That's why we like the shredded 
native tree trimming so much. He's mm-hmm. got a great uh, carbon to nitrogen balance in in the material, and it breaks down and feeds the microbes, and, and you know creates humus and creates life in the soil as well as anything you can do. So. Basically, the overall program is the answer to that. Well, and that's that's what my opinion has been. You know, this I'm I get people calling all the time. They've read in one of the gardening magazines or whatever, and they're so excited about biochar and all of this. And uh, it was making they they distinguish between what they call organic carbon and inorganic carbon. And you know, we use things like charcoal for detoxifying the soil but their whole point was that while people may have done that to gradually improve the soil that in effect active carbon creation through the dry molasses through the garret juice through all the things we do to stimulate microbial life is much more beneficial for the soil and much faster than things like biochar yeah, and biochar is a lot of trouble to make. It's yeah. great. I don't don't have any problem with it. It's expensive to buy, so the other things are what I do. And the rock minerals play a big mm-hmm. part in it. Well, the rock minerals and the sugars, too, but the, uh, the rock minerals like uh, lava sand and the one that I've really come to love so much, the uh, azomite, mm-hmm. those things stimulate. Azomite has microbes in it, but right. both of them stimulate biological activity in the soil. Uh, as well as the uh, carbon uh, inputs, compost and organic fertilizers. So it's uh, that's the answer. Well. One thing uh, kind of related to that, I was doing a presentation the other day that I wanted to pass on to you that's a whole different format. We, we were contacted by a uh, garden center in Atlanta, outside Atlanta, and they didn't want to pay my full fee for you know, travel expenses and the whole deal. And we, uh, they set up. They had a guy there that knew how to do this, and we set up a uh, presentation via a, a, a program called Zoom, hmm. where I presented on my computer, and they were watching me on two big screens in in Atlanta, uh, and it worked out beautifully. It was really good. We're gonna look at doing that more around the country because you know we can really do it for a lower price because we don't have to do the traveling you know that's a great idea and we hear about that commercially i know there are companies that uh do video conferences for corporations and things like that for exactly that reason the the time and the expense of bringing people together i guess it, it's only natural that that should expand to uh people like you who give programs but for Time and expense-wise, that'd be a gosh, that'd be a great way to get a Howard Garrett presentation to a group, and uh, certainly very doable with today's technology. Well, uh, it, it's gotten simpler and simpler, apparently. Too <clears throat> one of the things that came out of that meeting that this was an organic garden uh, club, which mm-hmm. surprised me. And I, but they responded after you know the next day that they hadn't thought about it from the standpoint that I presented it as much, and really wanted to maybe do uh, something again, uh, and that was they were still in the mindset like a lot of people you and I run into, that all you do for organics is you change from using these <laughs> products over to these products. Right. And, and it kind of hit them upside the head that I told them that you've got to have a whole different thought process, and, and you've got the timing is totally different. You start doing things much earlier in the season, and, and all those uh changes that are more so than just what products you use oh absolutely well tell me about this this presentation was it 
was it interactive? Were people yeah. able to yeah. have a microphone and ask you questions? That would be, yes. I mean, we that's that's fantastic. We we talk about the organic certification program as a as a great thing to use as a teaching tool, but to to have it interactive, man, that that's just the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's uh, it worked just like being there. The mm-hmm. only negative was that the people out in the audience, I couldn't hear them because the only guy that had a microphone was up at the front with his and the microphone was you know his his computer uh-huh. uh so we'll have to figure out that I'm sure there's some way to have you know more uh microphones throughout the uh, room we just didn't do it in this case but that's the worst thing he just had to repeat the question to me and and other than that it was just like being there well I've done a couple of uh TPR talks and we have a Hill Country Alliance has water forums down here and they actually there are some really high quality wireless mics that are you know shaped like they're just they're just like a microphone without the wire and uh, just one or two people walk around and pass these things, even if it's a very large audience. Uh, within a second or two, you can put a microphone in anybody in the building that can ask the question very, very uh, efficiently as far as sound quality. Yeah, I'm sure it could have been done. We just uh, didn't do it. This was the first one we did, so it was a big experiment, but it uh, it worked out. It, it's a virtual Howard program. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I was sitting at my desk, and I was able to—I just happened—I didn't even think about it. I, I just happened to have a couple of products or mm-hmm. some of the new things that I recommend there. And as I was talking, I said, "Oh, wait, here, here's what it looks like right here," and, and it just gives you a, a, a nice flexibility to uh, uh, present in a, a way where you have the slides and you can have real props as well. That sounds like a that that sounds like a great tool for the future. It, uh, yeah. I think that's a that's an incredible idea. Well, well I hope uh, some of your uh, folks can come see me next weekend. I love visit. Like I said, we're going to be there, you know, all two days, which is uh, unusual. We normally don't do that, so we'll have plenty of time to uh, uh, get together and visit. And if you haven't met my uh, announcer daughter uh budding artist uh you'll get to meet her and one of the sweetest most knowledgeable nicest people in the world i hope bo knows how how lucky he is to have her for his wife because she's a she's a very special person and uh you give her a a big valentine's hug for me and judy both and uh i guess we'll talk a little later in the week whether seven or eight o'clock or whatever time will be uh available if you're able to join us again next week and uh we'll see if we can work out something so Enjoyed being with you, as always, and uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully. We'll sure look forward to it, Howard. Thank you so much, and uh, happy Valentine's to all your family. Happy Valentine's to you and everybody listening. See you next time. Look forward to it. Thank you, sir. Mr. Howard Garrett is the Dirt Doctor, and uh, his website, dirtdoctor.com, you're going to find information. Uh, you're going to find all sorts of things there, but you're going to find information that is really applicable I'd say 99.9% of even the uh, cultural advice is is the same here in San Antonio as it is in the Metroplex where Howard is based. And, of course, organic principles, uh, they're pretty much universal. So if you're, if you're looking for answers to questions, if you're looking just to increase your knowledge, check out DirtDoctor.com. It is truly the best site on the Internet for a broad range of different subjects on gardening. All right, back to gardening and now to the phone line. It's going to be Pat, Tim, Michael, and Joe. We start with Pat. Good morning, Pat. Yes, sir. How's it going this morning? Uh, it's going well. How about you? Oh, uh, I've got uh, uh, access to a bunch of grounds, and I was wondering about 
uh, putting those in my garden if that would be a problem. I think it's a very good thing to do. Coffee grounds uh, actually have some nitrogen in them. Earthworms, for the most part, love coffee grounds. And uh, the thing that you will see with coffee grounds is that it grows a lot of fungus. And the fungi that grow on it are very beneficial. They're also sometimes kind of brightly colored. I get people calling saying, what's this red stuff and this blue stuff and this purple stuff? Uh, You want to disperse them fairly well i i think it's been shown that they can hold a lot of moisture especially if you're getting the really highly processed stuff like uh, starbucks gives away so uh, i wouldn't overdo it i would spread it uh, through the garden rather than actually using it as a a thick layer on the surface or anything like that but uh, it's a great soil builder it's a great stimulant for beneficial fungi Um, now uh, I, you want to be careful with decaf coffees. In some cases, they use a fairly caustic lye process for the decaffeination. Again, if you're getting your uh, your grounds at Starbucks, they use a Swiss water process, which uh, the caffeinated grounds or decaffeinated grounds are just as good as the others. But that's the only place I'm going to tell you to be careful. Just like I say, don't concentrate them. Spread them through the garden. They're like uh, wood ashes. They're fine in small quantities. Might be problematic. Uh, overdone. Well, it's actually tea, not coffee. Oh, well, tea's even, your your phone cut out there for just a second. I think tea is even better. Uh, the same thing would apply to the decaffeination process, so I would check on that. But, yeah, tea leaves, uh, grounds from, well, any, any tea residue is going to be outstanding. May not have as much fungal growing qualities, but still full of micronutrients and lots of good stuff. Yeah, because I'm getting like a, over 100 gallons of tea bags a week. Oh, really? Well... Uh, again, you have a choice. I don't know. I guess you could run them through a lightweight shredder or something like that, uh, you know, to, to tear up the, the little fabric bag, or in most cases that bag is compostable. You could compost them a little while, but, uh, otherwise it might make for sort of a funny looking garden, but I know of no negatives whatsoever to the tea leaves. Well, that was my concern because I was getting so much of I have a fairly large garden area, about 150 by 150, and I didn't know if I could put too much in there. Or... In the case of tea, I think it'd be hard to put too much in there. Well, that's good because I got an access to it, and I'm getting about three 40-gallon barrels a week or more. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, leave at least a small part of your garden um, without any so that you'll have a control so you can look and see what differences you find. But I think you're going to find nothing but good results from it. I can't think of any negatives. All right. Well, that's what something I had done I, on some of the stuff I planted. I put half of it with tea and bags, grounds in it and half of it without to see what was happening. But I didn't know if I could put too much in there. I've got pretty uh, lousy soil to start with. It's like concrete when it's yeah. dry. Well, I think you're sort of what we would say beyond the textbook. I don't know that anyone has tried it, but I see no problems with it. I would love to hear back from you about how it does. But and and I don't. You're not going to see instantaneous results. But uh, the the different things in there over time, I think you're going to find it's going to be a real soil builder. So please take some pictures. Please keep me posted on your progress. Can I ask you one more quick question? Yeah. Something I thought about doing. These are those large tea bags. They're about four inches by four inches. Right. I thought about laying those side by side by side around some of my, you know, like the tomato plants and stuff like that. There is a weed barrier. Do you think that would be a problem? 
I'm not sure it'll work, but I don't think it'd be a problem at all. Go for it. I'll try it on a few and see what happens. Look forward to oh, hearing. Sir? I said I look forward to hearing how it works. We'll do it. I'll let you know. Thanks so much. Appreciate the call, Pat, and good luck with your project. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Let's see here. Tim is up next. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Bob. Uh, morning. This is a little uh, infomercial. Uh, the uh, uh, Hill Country Alliance and the Comal County Conservation Alliance yeah. are offering a workshop this Friday the 15th and Anhalt uh, Dance Hall. Okay. And so it's going to be, uh, the, the title of it is, is a Workshop on Conservation Easements and Open Space Valuation, and it's being the, the coordinator is Carolyn Vogel. Oh, yeah, of course. Carolyn's there. a wonderful, a wonderful person. And Anhalt, gosh, you're just a couple of miles off 281, so that's a and an and historic location for you to hold it. That's great. So it's going to be this yeah. coming Saturday? That would uh, be the... The 15th. Friday 15th. Okay. And, and uh, from 10 o'clock in the morning to 4.30, uh, registration at 9.30, and it's $15 a person or $20 a couple, and it includes lunch and a social hour. So it, it's a, a good deal. Oh, it is. That's a great deal. Everything Hill Country Alliance does is very good. And, of course, conservation easements are near and dear to my heart. Most of my ranch is under conservation easement, and the rest will be probably this year. So I'm totally in support of it and uh people want more information is it on the hca website or where would you tell people to go to to get yes. uh see it yes. in uh, uh hillcountryalliance.org and it's a joint workshop between the hill country alliance and the comal county conservation alliance which is a new group and uh focusing on comal county well i'm glad to hear about it tim feel free to call my show tomorrow and we'll talk about it again hey i appreciate your help and your program. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Goodbye. All right. Back to gardening and back to the phone lines. We're going to talk to Michael and then Joe. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Bob. Nice talking to you again. Likewise. And you were talking about, I think, rats or mice, and I had problems with field mice, big ones here in my residence. I spoke to you about a year ago, Mm -hmm. and I was the one that made a mistake. I used ammonia. Yeah. And let me tell you, I Figure out what to use. I've gotten rid of all my rats. Okay, you're 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 really breaking up, Joe. Did you do something different with your phone with Michael? Okay, that's much better. Yeah. Okay, I had problems with my field mice, and let me tell you, I use regular salt, table salt. Uh huh. I think they come in containers of twenty six ounces. Costs about fifty cents from any grocery store. And let me tell you, I'm very generous when I use it. I put about a container underneath the sink behind the refrigerator also and about five to six containers in the attic and let me tell you i got rid of the rest the salt table salt did it salt did it that's very interesting and uh it wasn't it wasn't like rock salt or ice cream salt just nothing nothing but common table salt just regular salt and you know you can buy them Either HEB or Walmart, just those 50 cent containers, and I put plenty of it. Uh-huh. I'm still putting more in there, and I have finally got rid of the rats inside this house. And let me tell you, they did thousands of dollars of damage. Oh, yeah. And I'm finally glad, and I pray to the Lord, thank for everything, and thank you for everything, Bob. Well, listen, it's my pleasure. That, that, uh, golly, I've never heard of that before. Just, just ordinary table salt i wonder you know animals need salt and i wonder if they just overdo it to the point that they dehydrate i'm 
I'm not sure how it would work, but I'll tell you what, I'll be giving it a try because I live in the country and I fight the blasted things in the garden and a lot of other places. So I'm sure you, you do your best to keep this totally dry. And do you, do you find that they eat it, they take it away, that you have to replace it? Or when you put out a container of it, how long does it usually last? I guess it remain effective as long as it stays dry. But uh, are, they, are they eating it where you have to put more out? I have no idea if they're eating it. I just, it's in the little, you like salt, you know, just like mm-hmm. regular table salt when you put over your breakfast or your lunch, right, whatever. Right. Uh-huh. And I just spread it. A big uh, spread five containers in the attic. And let me tell you, I got no more, and I still go buy two or three containers, and I keep on spreading to make sure they don't come back because they did thousands <laughs> of dollars of damage, like it did. I they think I'll my vehicles, and they attacked my washer and dryer. I think I will be in my attic uh, in the very near future, giving that a try. Thank you for sharing, Michael. That's a um, a great idea, and I'll look forward to hearing from other folks, and I'll see what kind of results I have myself. Thank you. Thank you again. That's very, very kind and generous of you to share with us. Thank you, Bob. Have a wonderful day. You do the same. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We'll finish up calls today with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you today? Doing well. A couple of questions. Uh, I listened to your show uh, last week or so, and they talked about lava sand. Yeah. I'm trying to uh, add supplements to my lawn mm-hmm. and my garden just so they, they – um, do a little bit better, don't need quite as much water. Um, if I add the compost and I add lava sand and I do the uh, growing green, what, what minerals, trace minerals am I missing and what could I add? Well, you know, compost is made from a lot of different things, but mainly it's plant material of one sort or another. Sometimes it's been digested by a cow or something, but that's going to bring in most all of the minerals plus lava sand brings in a great deal of minerals and um you for most plants i think you are adding probably everything you need uh in the process now there are some plants which like a little extra iron like gardenias and uh, a lot of the plants that grow in more acidic regions some things like roses like a little more magnesium and if you were to see a deficiency, I mean, if you see a um, kind of a lightening of the leaves, I don't want to say yellow leaves because yellow leaves it's us- are usually a water issue. But if you find that the leaves are not as rich a green as you would like, then you may want to add some green sand. Or if you still find the ladybug product magic sand, absolutely love that stuff. And that would be one other thing you could add. Now, there are things like uh, you heard Howard mention something called azomite. That has a lot of different micronutrients in it. And things uh, like the uh, uh, Medina packages, a product they call dry humates. They also have liquid humates. And in these products, they're not necessarily adding a nutrient or a micronutrient, so to speak, but they are providing a site where i'm trying to figure the easiest way to explain this they're adding a site where a lot of the fertilizers a lot of the other nutrient materials bind and stay in the soil we we call the process cation exchange and things like your humates and some things like this uh, as well as the lava sand really enhance the soil 
not so much because they're adding things to it, but they're binding the different things and holding them in place until the plants need them. Then the plant has a way to break them free through, uh, oh, it, 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 again, it's, it's just called cation exchange. It involves taking uh, some of these different elements that have a positive charge to them. And so I, I think you're off to a real good start. If I was going to add anything to it, I might add a little bit of green sand. If I was really going all out, I might add a little bit of dry humate to it. But what you've done, you've given the plants the, the main thing they need. If you want to just give them a little a little more push, I think green sand, azomite, uh, humates, those are things you could consider adding. But I'm not going to tell you you absolutely have to do so. Okay, and what about uh, boron? Uh, people talk about that. Adding boron, that. boron that is so plants need so little of it. Uh, it's one okay. of these things that truly we used to call them micronutrients, or used to call them trace elements. Now we have to call them micronutrients. The amount of boron a plant needs is is so minuscule. I can't imagine you're not already get plenty of it in your compost. Okay, and if I were to add that, how would I add that? What what what? Where would I buy it? Where would I get it? Um, that's a good question. I know there is at least some of it is going to be in your green sand products. If you wanted to add straight boron, we've got a wonderful company here in San Antonio called Analytical Scientific. They're out off Bandera Road, and uh, they might be able to suggest, uh, you know, a, a source of that. If nothing else, you can go to the grocery store and buy some cheap, lousy vitamins and probably get plenty of it in there if you okay. look for something that's specifically a uh, boron supplement. Okay. All right. Well, that answers my question. Then. Well, thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate all your help. One other thing that you might think of, if you have a fireplace where you burn just uh, oak and elm and things like that, not a large quantity because they're highly alkaline, but a little bit of just uh, ashes from a fireplace, not from a barbecue pit, but from a fireplace, that would bring in boron and a lot of other good things as well and be uh, about as uh, free as it gets. Well, I have plenty of that. So how, how much would I put out for a, a garden tw- 20 by 30? Uh, 20 by 30, I'd put uh, maybe four or five cups. I'd just do it on a windy okay. day, stand at the end of the garden, throw it up and let Mother Nature spread.